0: Leviticus was ascribed to it as a name later on, years after it had been written and given to Moses. But the Old Testament books were known for the first verse that they were called. And we come from the first three words, the Lord called, is really the the book's name, the Lord called. And so let's turn to the Lord called. And uh, how many of you know that he called us first? And we responded. And so the Lord called is what we're looking at and we're going to look at the meaning behind the book of Leviticus. How many of you enjoy, I'm going to give you a a multiple choice, how many of you enjoy reading a good recipe or eating the food? Right? What do you like, reading the recipe or eating the food? There's a big difference, isn't there? I mean I don't get too thrilled about a tablespoon of salt, half a cup of butter and three measures of cream and some of this. It doesn't mean anything to me till it hits my lips and I can taste it, right? That's the book of Leviticus. The book of Leviticus if you were to read it is is the cookbook. It's, it's the list of what you're supposed to do, the ingredients you're supposed to put into this thing, but it doesn't give you the heart or the experience that the believers had when they were there in the smell and in the savor of the sacrifice as the heart was beating and they stood before the fire of a holy God. We don't experience that when we read this book. We read a cookbook, a measure of salt, a lamb, leg of lamb, throw in a bullock, and put the high priest in a couple sprinkles of oil, right? What is that? But the book of Leviticus goes much deeper, and that's what we want to draw on this morning, the heart of what is about this book, the meal that is taking place between God and man. Isn't it interesting that God always talks about supping and eating with us? Behold, I stand at the door and knock, he says to the church in the book of Revelation. If any man would open the door, what will Jesus do? come in and sup with us. And ultimately, what are we going towards? What is the great reward that we will end up with the lamb? We will go to the what? The marriage, what? Supper of the lamb. And so the book of Leviticus reads like a cookbook, but it's a meal where you come together in fellowship with God. He's calling. He calls us and he called Moses, and he says this in the first verse. The Lord called to Moses, and he spoke to him from the what? Tent of meeting. Come to the table. Come and dine. Come and dine. He calls, and he said, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when any of you brings an offering to the Lord, bring as your offering an animal from either herd or flock, now, that differentiates a herd as cattle and a flock as sheep and goats. And so there's a specific kind of, of sacrifice. We'll be getting into that later. But what he says is, I'm calling to you and from the tent of meeting. And if any of you would bring an offering. Now, the word for offering in Hebrew is korban. And the word korban means to draw near. So the word offering and sacrifice that we have in in, in the Scriptures means drawing near to God. So he says, I'm calling you, and if any of you want to draw near to me, now who wants to draw near to God today? Then that should be a sacrifice for you. And this is what we want to look at. What is the meaning of a sacrifice today? We want to get a good look at that meaning. And so we draw close to him. Isn't it interesting that sin does the same thing? It calls to us. James tells us that sin, lust, entices. And when the lust of our own flesh responds, it births sin. It's interesting to me that there is a calling of the Spirit and a calling of God and then there's a calling of the enemy and there's a calling of lust and sin. And basically, our Christian life is making decisions. And he says, who will draw near to me? This is your choice. Much of, as we go into the uh, study of these sacrifices, you'll find that three of them are freewill offerings. In other words, when you want to come, when you want to draw near. And so we have enticing and persuasion going on all day. How many of you know how many millions go into advertising and marketing? Can somebody tell me why? to draw you, to entice you, to woo you. And so it'll be attractive to the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. You see, and so there's this constant wooing going on. But we have an internal wooing by the presence of God's Spirit in us. But isn't it something that we're so attached to the physical world that we become so desensitized to the spiritual realm even though God is in us? wooing us, persuading us, calling us, calling us, would you meet with me? Would you meet with me in the tent of meeting? That tent of meeting is now right here. It's within our being. And so he calls us to draw close. Now, if we look at the book of Leviticus and we see that there are actually five sacrifices that are offered, the first seven chapters discuss these five sacrifices. One is a burnt offering, second is a grain offering, third is a peace offering, the last two deal with sin offerings, the sin offering and trespass offering. We'll break these down and look at them all individually. But what's interesting is the first three are called sweet savor sacrifices. These are the three that are free will offerings that you bring before God as you desire. And each one of them, as you look at chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, when it describes these sweet savers, it's these three sacrifices that say they are a sweet aroma to God. How many of you can tell what's cooking in, in the kitchen when you come home and you open the door and there's a sweet aroma, right? Could be chocolate chip cookies. Could be... Uh, could be spare ribs, could be... Mm, you fill in the blank. What could it be? Steak? Huh? Could be anything. Someone say sauerkraut? Did I just... Oh. You'll smell that, yeah. Okay. But these offerings brought a sweet savor to God, and he said you're to draw them out of the herd, out of the, uh, the pen or whatever, uh, the flock... And uh, so you're you're to draw them out. Now, five different kind of sacrifices. And what we're going to see is in these five sacrifices, they cover what Christ accomplished God. How many of you can tell what's cooking in in the kitchen when you come home and you open the door and there's a sweet aroma, right? Could be chocolate chip cookies. Could be... uh, could be spare ribs, could be... mm, You fill in the blank. What could it be? Steak? Huh? Could be anything. someone say sauerkraut? Did I just... You'll smell that, yeah. Okay. But these offerings brought a sweet savor to God, and He said you're to draw them out of the herd, out of the the pen or whatever, uh, the flock... And uh, so you're, you're to draw them out. Now, five different kind of sacrifices. And what we're going to see is in these five sacrifices, they cover what Christ accomplished on the cross once and for all. And so in these different five ways to approach God and to fellowship with Him, Christ accomplished all five on the cross for us. I did a little research as to how much sacrifice there was, how many animals took place Now this is just, check this out, this is just per year of those sacrifices offered for the nation of Israel, not people's personal offerings. Check this out. Daily, there were two animal sacrifices given, two lambs sacrificed each day for 360 days. That's 720 uh, lambs in a year. The Sabbath animal sacrifices on the Sabbath day, there were two on the Sabbath day, and so that equals to 48 weeks. We're using the Hebrew calendar, and that's 96. There was also a new moon animal sacrifice, 11 of them, on a new moon that would happen within a month and randomly. And uh, so there were 11 of those once a month, 132. Of course, on Passover, there were 77 animal sacrifices. Again, not counting people's personal sacrifices. This was for the nation. And then you had the first feast of first fruits, 11 feast of trumpets, 11 day of atonement, 11 feast of tabernacle and booths, 199. So a grand total of animals sacrificed for the year is 1,257. That's a lot of blood, a lot of flesh, a lot of burning. In fact, the burning was never to cease on the altar. The fire was always to be burning on the altar. There was to be a sacrifice. Now, add to this list the personal sacrifices that people would bring. That's a lot of animals, isn't it? Now, at the bottom there, you see for Tim Tyler, uh, I don't know why, but someone put a website out there. It's right here at the bottom. You can go to this website, crossword, info, bulls and goats, and you can find out how many sacrifices would have been made for you From your birth date. I'm 52, 1959, so 91,569 animals would have been sacrificed through the years for me. But you know what? There's one sacrifice that was more precious than all those animals put together. For none of those animals could atone for the sin of man. All they could do would cover for a season, cover for a time. But there was one sacrifice once and for all. For Christ died for sins once and For all, the righteousness for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Read it. To bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the Spirit. He said, He called us and He said, If anyone would meet with Me, if you would draw near to Me, I don't need a bull, I don't need a lamb, I don't need a pigeon, I've got Jesus Christ, my Lord, which satisfies all the blood of the animals. Once and for all, so I can draw near to him. This means something to God. What you have to understand is what all this blood and what all this sacrifice means is I want you near me. I want you near me. I want you to see this morning how important this is. He calls these sacrifices a sweet savor. Again, an aroma. Have you ever smelled something and it brings you back to a memory? Isn't that a cool experience? Our scent really connects us to our heart and our soul and our mind, just like music can. A smell can as well. And and what God says is there's a sweet aroma to these sacrifices. These sacrifices that you desire from your heart to bring to me smell good. Good. It smells sweet to me. It's something he longs for. It's an incense that's, that smells like home. It smells like love. There's a sweet fragrance that God says is so important to these sacrifices. Forty times it's referenced in the Bible that the burnt offering is a sweet aroma to God, it is a free will, voluntary act. And as the smoke ascends to heaven, God gives the picture that this is a sweet aroma to me. I want to show you something why a sacrifice is sweet. Does God like barbecue? Is that, is that what this is about? He loves barbecue. That He said, man, I love lamb. Throw on a bull. Throw on some calves. A couple pigeons. <laughs> <sighs> Why would God think that this barbecue, this burning of animal flesh, is a sweet aroma? Now, can you imagine, how many of you go out when it's springtime and, and you go, somebody's barbecuing, right? It gets you right away. Can you imagine the smell in around Israel and in Jerusalem? This constant smell. It's like driving by Burger King on Harper. How many of you? You can smell it for blocks. I'm right. I don't know if that's healthy or not, but anyways... This aroma, why would this be a sweet aroma? Can, can I show you something? Would you turn with me? This is going to be key for our study. Isaiah chapter 1. Please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 1. Oh, he loves the sacrifice. He loves meeting with us. This is the way we approach him, and it is a sweet savor to him. Let's find out what God says It's all about the sacrifice. It's all about the animal, isn't it? Let's see if that's the case. Uh, Isaiah chapter 1, and I I would like you to go to verse 10. Here is the key to understanding the book of Leviticus. Isaiah chapter 1. We need a little perspective to pull back uh, from from what Israel was supposed to be doing. And in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 10, uh, it says this. Hear the word of the Lord. You rulers of Sodom, listen to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Now, he's not talking to the literal city of Sodom and Gomorrah. If you'll read the verse previous, he says, Jerusalem is like Sodom and Gomorrah. My people have turned into Sodom and Gomorrah. In fact, he said in verse 9, just read it, Unless the Lord Almighty had left us some survivors, we would have become like Sodom, we would have been like Gomorrah. And what was the outcome of Sodom and Gomorrah? Destruction. And so he goes on and he calls them Sodom and Gomorrah. That is not a good thing. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have... More than enough of burnt offerings of rams, of fat and fatted animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you? This trampling of my courts. Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable. Your fragrance is detestable to me. What's he saying about sacrifice? I thought he's the one who wanted sacrifice. I thought he wanted the rams and the bulls and the goats and the lambs. I thought he, wa- he called it a sweet fragrance. He's contradicting himself. Is he? No, because it's not about the bulls and the rams and the goats and the incense and burning and religious activity. All of that is to get our heart That's what he was trying to train Israel in. That's what he was trying to teach them. Sacrifice is not about this religious activity. It's not about, you can't, you you think I'm appeased because you brought some animals. It is better to obey than sacrifice, he told Saul. But they got into this routine. Well, this is what's required of me. I'll go to church and I'll pay my tithe. I'll even give 10%. I'm good. No, you're not! If your heart's not here, light candles, sing songs, do whatever you need to do, do your duty. And it's do do. That's what Paul said. I count it all as dung. What do you think he was including in the dung pile? All of it compared to a circumcised heart that God has pierced. Do you see the key here? We're going to study these sacrifices and what's to be presented. But if you look at it as a cookbook, one measure of this, two sprinkles of that, you'll not understand the taste and the sweet savor of what this is. It is communion with God. It's fellowship with God. He goes on, he says, your new moons and Sabbaths and convocations, I cannot bear Your evil assemblies, your new moon festivals, your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They've become a burden to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even if you were offering many prayers, I would not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make clean yourselves. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now. He calls again. He never stops calling us. Even when we fail him. He's the one who calls us back. Many of you have run from God because of your sin. And it's he who's saying, come back, come back, come to me, come to me. But you're too ashamed. But he says, come to me, come to me. He says, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they're as red as crimson, they shall be white as wool. If you are willing and obedient, then you will eat the best from the land. What's it about? about our lives and our relationship and obedience to the one we love. Basically, he's saying, don't tell me you love me and do everything counter to what that love should be. Have you ever heard God talk like that? I'm sick of you. You make me sick. I can't stand the smell of you. When you pray, I don't want to hear you. (laughs) You're so detestable. Why? Because you're missing it by a mile. But does he say, get out of here, get lost? No, again he says, come to me. Reason this out, come to me. So he's appealing to them. What Leviticus is about, what sacrifice is truly about, is your heart. It's your heart. It's your obedience. And look at what we should be as Christians. Paul says, For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. There was a sacrifice that was so pleasing to Father, number one, because it was pure and spotless, number two, because it was perfect in obedience and love. Jesus was the perfection or the completion of obedience of mankind towards God. He came as a man so that he could perfect how to approach a holy God. He did it for us. Because you and I can't approach him with a perfect heart and a perfect devotion and a perfect love. He did that for us. And that aroma was the fragrance he had been smelling, the scent he had been smelling all the way back when Cain and Abel offered the first sacrifice. When Levitical system began and the animals were the fragrance, he could smell Messiah. He could smell Christ. He could smell the perfect sacrifice that was to come. Perfect obedience, perfect communion between man and God, and Christ brought that for us. Come on, what is the law? To love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. This is the law. Christ is the only human being that ever did that. And because He did that, His sacrifice was perfect. And now we can allow that to be perfected in us. Now because His Spirit dwells in me, I can approach God with obedience and love if I won't neglect what it takes to draw near to Him. And we find that in these sacrifices. It's a heart motivation. It's the heart motivation that draws us. Let's go back to verse 1 of Leviticus. And let me give you two very important elements to what sacrifice is. Number one, we go back to the first verse. And it says this. Bring as your offering... Bring as you draw near me an animal from either your herd or your flock. Now you saw how many animals it took per year. And this is an agricultural community that raises livestock. And we saw that in a year, 1,257, basically almost 1,000 animals a month. Do you understand what's being, what, what goes on here? How many... Sheep, bulls, goats, lambs, does the average Israelite own? Hmm? You see, when he says, you are to come to me and bring your sacrifice, it's going to cost you something. See, we don't get this. Oh, there's lambs everywhere. They're probably running around, a lot of herd. No, no, no. And not just any lamb this is gonna take some time I don't want your cheap stuff I want you to take the time to go in amongst your property what you own and I want you to inspect every animal you have and when you find the best one that would get you the most money and provide for you the best milk and meat that one's see what goes in to worshiping God. Think about it for a minute. Now, God understood the economy. He gave different offerings according to your economic status. The rich were to give bulls, middle class, lambs and goats, the poor turtle doves or grain offering. How many of you remember what Joseph and Mary brought in the book of Luke when they came to the temple to redeem Jesus. Do you remember what they brought? Two doves, right? That tells you their class economically in the stature of the nation. Where were they? Poor. They were poor. And so they were, God understands people's situation, but He wants your heart. And he wants the best of what you have. Though it be little or though it be great, I want the best. Because Jesus put it this way, where your treasure is, there is where your heart is also. And remember, what is sacrifice all about? drawing near heart to heart spirit to spirit it is not a religious activity it is a relational activity now God put these things in place to test the human heart and the human soul as to the love do you remember when Jesus came he gave what was his best he gave himself literally and who he was Now, I want you to know something. You have to inspect your animals. You have to see which one is the best. David understood this. He understood the principle of what God was asking. David had committed sin by numbering the people when God told him not to. 70,000 Israelites were killed in battle because of his sin. He mourned, he wept. God said, bring a sacrifice to me. And when David went to buy A field where he, the threshing floor, where he would offer sacrifice to God. The man who owned it, Arana, said, you can have it, king. I want you, I'm privileged that you would come sacrifice on my land. Take this land. And David said, I will never offer a sacrifice to God that cost me nothing. There it is. There it is. That's what sacrifice is about. That's why he says you'll bring from your herd or your flock. He said you will bring me a sacrifice. But see, what does that mean to us? It means I want your best. Oh, come on, pastor, what are you talking about? You want our money? Yes. What? What do you want? Our car? Yes. You want our house? Yes. Oh, take my firstborn kid. Yes. He wants everything. What is the church giving him? Is there sacrifice? I have to ask myself, am I sacrificing to worship him? I've been in other nations and in other lands, and to come to worship Jesus, they have to really risk their lives. It is a sacrifice. Come on, what did we sacrifice today? Some of you may have. I'm not putting this on you, but I want to stir you. Where is the church When are we sacrificing? What are we pouring our best into? Everything we have. We dedicate our children to the Lord. Do we dedicate our children to the Lord? Or is it a nice blessing? Sprinkle, sprinkle. Now it's your responsibility to keep them straight. That's what we're expecting. But he's saying, No, I want your kid. I want your child. I want everything you pour into that child to be for a relationship with me. I want you to pour yourself into that child the way you pour yourself into me. Yes, I want your money. I want your best money. Yes, I want your house. I want your car. Not to the church. Don't let, it get, don't let this get distorted by what false preachers do. But where could the kingdom of God be right now if the church gave Him our best? Come, Our best! you see what it takes? You see what he's demanding? He said, it smells so sweet when there's a heart on fire for me. I love when someone is so on fire for me. What he's smelling is the sweet aroma of a fragrant heart. When David offered his sacrifice, he said, oh, it better cost me When Abel offered his sacrifice, it was sweet because it cost the best of his herd. When Cain offered his sacrifice, God said there is sin crouching at your heart's door. You have not given me what is required. And so first of all, what is sacrifice? Where do you think we get the name from? (laughs) Think about it. Listen, I am not trying to press you for more money. Please get past that. Get the issue of what I'm saying. Our worship to God has got to require some kind of sacrifice. It is so easy to come here. Hallelujah, we love you. I know that we mean that from our heart, but where is the sacrifice towards Him? We come asking and asking and wanting and needing. We're so needy, but where's our sacrifice to Him? Can we overlook our discomfort for a few minutes and give Him what we have? Could we go past a meal and fast for Him? Could we cut something out? He says in Isaiah 58, this is a true fast. Stop all your religious observances, but the true fast is the food that you don't eat for a fast. Give it to someone who's hungry. The clothing that you've got a closet for, full of clothing. There are people who need clothes. Would you go give it to him? Now there's, oh, I smell a sweet aroma. There's sacrifice in my kingdom. Christ gave his all. And now he lives in us, and we're the sweet aroma of Christ. That's what that verse said. Paul said, You're the sweet fragrance of the sacrifice of Christ. What was Christ? Perfect in obedience, perfect in sacrifice. He gave all. That's the sweet aroma. And so when the world sees a Christian, God wants to smell the sweet fragrance of Christ. When there is a need, he expects the scent of His Son Jesus to show up wherever there is a need. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you. Your obedience is going to cost you. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a struggle to overcome your flesh. But oh, the cost and the sweet fragrance of the fire of the Holy Spirit burning out the dross of your flesh. Oh God, burn us on the altar. Last of all, what is a sacrifice? Substitution. That's what he's talking about. It should cost you, and it is a substitution. You must identify yourself with the sacrifice. That's the other reason he had you come bring a sacrifice. You had to totally identify yourself in that sacrifice sacrifice. So what he's saying is you can be a living sacrifice. That was in that was present in the book of Leviticus. We we think that just showed up in Romans chapter 12. That was in fact what Israel was supposed to be. Bring your sacrifice, you get to live, the animal dies. But what you take on is the death of that animal. You identify your death with that animal's death. You identify your sin with the punishment of that animal and the wrath of God upon it so that you get to be the living sacrifice so that when you put your hands on that animal, you identify with him that there is a substitution here and this animal is dying for you and for your sins. And you get to live as the sacrifice. So Paul brought that forth that we are now to be living sacrifices. But whose sacrifice do we put our hands on? The bleeding body of Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. If you have not identified yourself with the death of Christ on the cross, then I I don't know if you're saved. Romans chapter 6 says that you must be identified or buried with Christ. Christ. That means totally identified in his death. Galatians 2.20 I was crucified with Christ. Were you there when they crucified our Lord? Oh, it makes me tremble, tremble, tremble. Why? Because you know that was you. That was your sin born on that cross. You identify your death in him. Why? Because then there's a great exchange that takes place as you put your hand upon the animal. Now it's interesting, I was looking at Jewish writings, and it's interesting they even have a way in which you were to slit the throat of the animal. Your knife had to be so polished and so clean it could have no jagged edges. You were not to wound or hurt the animal in any way, cut it wrong. You were not to gouge him. You were not to puncture him. You were to so gently and carefully slice in one movement his main artery so that the animal would simply go to sleep and rest as the blood drained out. This was something sacred. This was something holy. This was something carefully observed. This was not to be just uh, uh, some routine activity serious and 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 when we look at the book of Leviticus I wonder how serious we are about the death of our Lord Jesus Christ and about the sacrifice and the identification of what it took for him to be perfect and for me not to be to move In the exchange of what he did for me, that animal died for my sins and so therefore I was covered and had life again with my people. Jesus died so that we could have his relationship with the Father. The exchange came, we who were afar off, we who were estranged, separated from God, have now been drawn near to him. We've been born of His Spirit. Now I am a son of God. I have the same relationship that Jesus does with the Father. What an exchange. And it cost God everything. You see, when you come to the sacrifice, they kept thinking, God, we're giving you this, we're giving you this, we're giving you this. What they didn't know is what we do know. Is it all pointed to what He was going to give. And so when we come to sacrifice and we say, have you sacrificed worship to God? Have you sacrificed your life to God? We measure, we see whether it will be a ram, a bull, a dove, how much we want to give when God demonstrated it all. He gave everything to us. Oh, so what is Leviticus about? The passion of God for His people. That He would give everything everything for you and I and he says if you will draw near to me it must cost you everything it must cost you everything That you must find your way to the underground church. Don't let anyone follow you. But when you get here, we'll have the opportunity to take communion together. We'll have opportunity to sing and worship together. But we'll have the windows blacked out and the lights out. And we must do it in secret and in quiet. But when we get here, we will sacrifice everything to gather as the people of God. And that's what many believers are doing around the world. Well, bless God, we're favored to be free. Thank God. But what happens is the sacrifice lessens and lessens and lessens. And we listen to the call of the world more than we do the call of the Spirit. God help us return back to true sacrifice. The true sacrifice of what it means to meet with God. And so we identify with Christ The true sacrifice, and Paul says, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice of God. He's the sweet savor and the sweet smell. Paul later said, we are now that smell of the sweet savor of Christ. You and I smell good to God. Some of you spritzed aftershave and cologne on. Could I tell you there's a better fragrance than anything than that to God's nostrils. It is the smell of the perfected obedience of His Son in us. Oh, would we sacrifice our lives for Christ. Would we sacrifice all that we have in obedience to Him. Would we identify ourselves in Him and fellowship in His presence. Let's bow heads. Jesus.